Hi, and welcome to our Grains Combo podcast series brought to you by the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. These short podcasts aim to assist grain growers by delving deeper into our research projects that target crop protection, crop production, soils and genetics in broadacre crops. I would like to acknowledge the Noongar people on the land I'm recording this podcast and the Aboriginal people of the many other lands Deepherd operates. I would also like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. My name is Amber Atkinson and I'm the Grains Communications Manager based here at Deepherd's Perth office. Today I'm talking with Deepherd research scientist Dr Jung Hahn about gene editing in crops and how it's going to influence the future of plant breeding in Australia. Hi Jung, thanks for joining us on the Grains Convo podcast. Hi Amber, thanks for having me. It's a good opportunity for me to introduce our work. Right, let's dive in. Can you tell me a bit about gene editing technology? Yes, gene editing is about technology approach. As we know, DNA is a code of life and using gene editing, DNA can be inserted, removed or replaced. It means we can rewrite the genetic code, just like editing a test in a document. The technology is developed from bacteria's immune systems to prevent virus infection. It works as a genetic scissor to disarm the virus by nicking their DNA. Due to the discovery of gene editing technology, two researchers have been awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 2020. Yo, that is a lot to take in. Um, how does gene editing work and what are the technology advantages? Good question. In life science, there's a central dogma that DNA makes RNA. RNA makes protein, and finally, protein makes life. To understand or change the form of life, researchers have to change DNA. However, modifying DNA in living cells is not easy and sometimes impossible. However, by using gene editing, we cannot alter any genes now. There are two basic components for gene editing. One is genetic scissor, we call it nucleus, and the other is gut RNA. So Caesar is directed by the guide to the targeted DNA region and cuts the DNA into two parts. Then the living cell will have a sense, oh gosh, my DNA is cut and I'm dying. No, I have to survive and I have to repair the break. So if the repair is spontaneous without a template, we call this SDN1 type. But SDN1 repairs error prone it will usually add more or miss some information at the breaking point, so the gene will not be the original copy and thus create mutations. Also, we can add a template to guide the repair and we call this SDN2 or SDN3. For example, we already know some sort of deafness or blindness is due to gene defects, so we can replace the wrong copy with a healthy copy and the patient will be healed. This is called gene therapy and it's underway in the United States. The key advantage of gene editing are programmable, efficient and precise. The scissor is driven by a guide, just like a unique postal address on a letter or a parcel, so it will be delivered correctly. We just change the address so we can deliver the scissor to any target genes within the genome. And what is the potential application of gene editing in crops? Since gene editing's first discovery 10 years ago, 
the use of the technology has exploded now. Researchers can change the DNA of animals, plants, and microorganisms. For crops, the technology has been successfully applied to all major grain and horticulture crop species, such as wheat, barley, maize, tomato, and potato. It's a robust tool to improve plant performance and agronomic traits, including yield, quality, pest and disease resistance, drought, heat, frost, salinity tolerance, herbicide resistance, and nutrient use efficiency. Gene editing is recognized as one of the new breeding technologies, and the new varieties are being developed, such as wheat with positive remedial resistance, maize with drought tolerance, Corona with herbicide resistance, and the barley with a high nitrogen use efficiency. One key feature of using gene editing for crop breeding is saving breeding time. Some may know that conventional breeding takes about 10 years to introduce the favored gene copies into a new variety, while gene editing can precisely alter genes in current varieties. It only fine-tunes the target traits and returns all the other characteristics of the original variety and can reduce breeding time. Same as normal crop varieties, such changes will be stably transmitted to the offspring in the self-pollinated crops, just like wheat and barley. And what would you say are the major challenges in gene editing technology? They do have a couple of challenges at this stage for crop gene editing. The first one comes from the genetic, uh, the confidence of the candidate genes. For genetic improvement, firstly, we have to know which gene is responsible for the crop performance or the trait. Then we can use gene editing to modify such genes. The reality is that most gene functions remain unknown, such as in Bali, which has about a total of 40,000 genes within the genome. The researchers have to use genetic mapping to pinpoint the candidate genes. The gene location of chromosomes can be narrowed down from a very big region and then to a small region, but usually it ends up with a small region containing several genes. In other words, we can locate the delivery address from a city to a suburb and further to a street name, a line. We don't know what's a street number. So for gene editing, the knowledge gap for genetic mapping has to be filled to increase the confidence of gene target. The second challenge lies in the crop reference genome. So it's our address book or GPS. Without address information, the delivery goes nowhere. For gene editing, we have to ensure the uniqueness of the gene target within the genome so that only the desired gene targets are targeted but other, no other similar ones are changed. That is, we have to separate the subdivided address like 1 and 1A to avoid a delivery mistake. With reference genomes, we can search and compare the guide sequence for specificity. Fortunately, now sequencing technologies are developing quickly and more and more crop reference genomes are released to the public. Deeper is a key player in barley looping and low oats uh, genome and sequencing, though we have comprehensive genomic information for WIS major crops. Another challenge is how to generate a mutant from the wild type plant. The scissor has to get into the cell to facilitate gene editing. 
A common issue for cereal crops, including wheat, barley, and rice, is that only a handful of varieties can be transformed through tissue culture, and the majority of the commercial varieties are resistant to the process. Gene editing procedures have not been established yet in some crops, so the study of delivery systems is to be further explored. So, how is gene editing different to previous breeding technologies? Gene editing does have its own advantages, and compared with the previous ones, it's outperformed in accuracy, efficiency, and effectiveness. Mutations is a key to breeding. In fact, natural mutation could take place anywhere at any time with a very low frequency. To speed up the process for breeding, researchers are using chemicals or radiation to create mutations across the whole genome at the same time. But such mutations are random and not specific, so they have to screen a large population with thousands of mutants for the trait of inches. Another problem comes up when crossing such mutants with other crop varieties, as many unnecessary mutations will be carried over into the hybrids. Breeders are only after very few genes of interest, so after crossing, they have to purify the breeding lines, and this process takes years. Genetic modification is another well-known technology that can express the foreign genes in the host and specifically develop pest and herbicide-resistant crops, but the end products fall in the gene regulation across the globe. In contrast, gene editing does not mess up the genetic information of two parents, but only generate specific mutations in a single background, so it needs a much shorter time and less effort to select and develop a new variety. The SDN1 type editing generates similar mutations as the conventional way does. The products are excluded from GM regulation in many countries, such as the United States, Brazil, Argentina, UK, Australia, India, Japan, and the Philippines. What crops are you currently concentrating on? At Deeper, I'm currently working on the cereals wheat and barley, and the legumes lupin and lokina. For barley, I have developed a new method to edit commercial barley varieties. Now we can create SDN1 mutations in commercial barleys with a high mutation rate. Through the protocol, we have created barley mutants with enhanced yield potential and nitrogen efficiency. Such mutants can be transformed into future varieties to help reduce fertilizer use and greenhouse gas emissions. We are also testing the protocol for wheat gene editing, and we have made some progress in the proof-of-concept study. The legumes are hard to work on, so we are using revolutionized systems to test the feasibility and efficiency. We are developing new loopings with resistance to herbicides, so they can better fit into the current crop rotations. Lokina is a tree legume and is used as a great forage for cattle. We are trying to chop out the flowering genes and develop sterile Lokina. Non-flowering Lokina will have low wheat risk in WS farmland so farmers can grow the pasture crop for red meat production. It sounds like farmers are going to benefit greatly. When are we going to see gene-edited crops on farms? Well, it depends on the domestic and global regulatory environment. 
At present, industries are seeking a harmonization regulation for international trade. The countries I mentioned previously have certain products excluded from GM regulation. While New Zealand, Malaysia, Thailand and South Africa already have acts that gene-edited products are under regulation. Most Asia-Pacific countries have not decided to regulate all SDN types or evaluate them case by case. Regarding commercialization, the United States and Japan are working ahead of us, as some agro-products are already on the market, such as high oleic soybean and a new tomato with health benefits. More added to the products, including wheat and maize, are under field testing and will be available soon. In Australia, GM food is regulated by Food Standards Australia New Zealand, but not Gene Technology Act. So, an SDN1 added to the product is not a GMO for cultivation purpose, but whether it's a GM food will be subject to the FSNZ review. The industry's point of view is that additive the food will carry the same risk as a conventional food, so should be excluded from a pre-market safety assessment as GM food. Averaging editing technology is the future trend. Growers and farmers can access customized varieties for given growth environments, farming systems, and target markets. The big four seed companies BASF, Bayer, Cotiva and Sigenta are all investing in this, and many small companies have been founded recently. The majority of the world is coming to the ratio approach and applying the principle that additive products should be regulated similarly. It's going to be an interesting space to watch. Jung, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been fascinating to learn more about what you're working on. Thanks, Amber. You have just listened to Dr. Jung Han from DeepHerd. More information on gene editing technology can be found on the DeepHerd website at www.agric.wa.gov.au. If you like this podcast, you can download and subscribe to DeepHerd's Grains Convo podcast series on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. My name is Amber Atkinson. Thanks for listening.